0: Amen. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, team. Before I bring the message this morning, I want to pray for our high school graduates. Um, I'm going to ask them to start coming down. We have a small group this year, but I'm going to ask all the high school graduates, please come down so I can pray with you and for you. In August, as you know, we pray for them and for others before they go to college. Uh, But uh, today we're just going to pray for them. That God will give them wisdom to invest this summer wisely, and to prepare for the future uh, in God's Holy Spirit wisdom. Ask all STS, all the STS staff, come on, come on down. Where's Mark? Come on, because you you're going to instruct these people. Here he is. Now, guys, this is your source. <laughs> Come over here, Mark. <laughs> this man is gifted in such a unique way that he's not only oversees the f- fifth and sixth grade, he also ministers to college students. God gifted him gifts of apologetics in defense of the gospel, and so you, you, you call him. You call on him, and we're going to make sure that before we start the academic year, I'll, I'll make that announcement again. But I'm going to pray for you and for those of you who couldn't be with us. In fact, there are graduations going on in this church uh, t- this afternoon. So that's why some of them couldn't be here. So we're going to pray in the name of Jesus, Father. I pray for these precious ones. I pray that you would give them wisdom during the summer months. I pray that you would uh, encourage them. I thank you that you have helped each one of them to reach this a landmark in in their life. And I thank you for guiding them every step of the way throughout uh, the last uh, 12 years of schooling to come to this landmark of high school and as they look forward to the years in college and be prepared for the life that you have for them and the ministries that you have for them, that you use them and that you bless them, that you encourage them. And Father, above all, I pray that you give them rest and refreshment for I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, Several years ago, Arnold Palmer, the great golfer, was playing in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And the king of Saudi Arabia was so impressed with him and so impressed with his playing and and is impressed with him as a person, and so he said to him at the end of his tour, he said, "Um, I want to give you a special gift by which you can remember fondly your visit to the kingdom. Uh, I I want to give you a special gift that will always uh, make you remember your visit here. Palmer politely explained, he said he enjoyed his time, he loved playing there, but he really, a gift is not necessary. But the king insisted. He said, I'm going to give you a gift, but please tell me, what would you like to have? Well, he said, well, I thought about it for a minute, and he said, well, you know, maybe a a golf club that uh, I can keep in my collection, and I can um, remember fondly the uh, hospitality that you have extended And so the next day, uh, there was a knock in the hotel room of Arnold Palmer, and the messenger from the king basically came, and he presented him with the deeds to a 300-acre golf club. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about misunderstanding. But the king's gift was lavished. I mean, he, he was not going to give him just a, a simple thing. He wanted to give him a big gift. He, he, it's bigger than he even imagine. The king's gift was so generously overwhelming. The king's gift was beyond his expectations. And what we read this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and the Scripture actually emphasizes this because it's in Romans 12, Corinthians, and Ephesians, these incredibly lavish gifts that are given to us by the King of all kings uh, as a very important thing in our walk with the Lord. It's a very important part of our walk with the Lord because they are given to us on our spiritual birth as a spiritual birthday gifts each received a very generous spiritual gift. Most of us have more than one gifts from the King of all kings. Now, there are some, sadly, some in the church. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ in general. There are some who have never unwrapped their gift. There are some who still have these gifts in a a box on a shelf somewhere. But the Scripture tells us that each believer has received at least one gift, at least one. You were lavished and blessed by the gift of the King of all kings. Now, if you want to delve deeper into the gifts of the Holy Spirit, let me encourage you to download, it's free, uh, an app from Leading the Way, Where I have done a long, detailed series of messages on each of these gifts and the use of these gifts. And that would, of course, our time will not permit me to do that today, but you can um, feel free to download it. And I think the series was called, I just double-checked last Friday, uh, Who Me Gifted? And you can literally listen, because each message deals with one of the gifts of the Spirit. But if you want to identify your gift, you haven't already, you will be blessed by this series of messages. However, if you know your gift and you want to be encouraged in your gift, you'll also be blessed. But because of the shortness of time, our message today will only highlight the importance, the absolute necessity of these royal gifts and the use of these royal gifts Let me tell you that through the years of my ministry, it's over 45 years in the ordained ministry now, over the years I have learned that the reason many believers don't unwrap their gift, and there are two in number, two reasons that I've learned through the years. As many of you know, I've traveled the globe, so I saw the church in every facet, in every one of the six continents. But the two reasons why people don't unwrap and use their gift, first, there are some who feel that their gift is not really important in the scheme of things. It is not an important gift. And they look at others and say, oh, that's an important gift, but mine is really not important. Uh, Their use of the gift or gifts are not going to make any difference. It's not really going to make a huge difference, so they kind of sit on their blessed assurance. They think that their gift is not worthwhile at all, so they never use it. In fact, the Apostle Paul deals with this kind of thinking in verses 15, 16, and 17. The second reason for why people don't use their gift is that some believers feel that they are overqualified for their gift. They really do. I mean, I have watched of how some just want the gifts of others. They don't. They're satisfied with the gift that God gave them. They're not contented with the royal gift that the King of all kings gave them. Uh, so they ignore it, and they become depressed in life, and they don't know why. And Paul deals with that in verse twenty-one. I want you to hear me right. This is important. <laughs> God's word rejects both of these excuses. Can I get an amen? It rejects. The Bible teaches that neither the alleged inferior gifts nor pride is pleasing to the Lord. None of them are pleasing to the Lord. As I said, after being in ministry, ordained ministry for well over 45 years, I have discovered that the following fable really applies to a lot of churches. Thank God it does not apply here, but I want you to listen. It's a fable, so don't come to me afterward and and, and say, well, how can that be? But just listen. Notice, the story goes this way. The different members of the body, the different organs of the body, got together in order to decide which organ or which member of the body is the most important. And so, the brain said, huh, Since I already coordinate every function in the body, I am the logical choice to be the most important organ in the body. But the heart really strongly objected, and the heart said, uh, without me pumping blood through the body, none of you would be able to function. Therefore, I am the most important member of the body. At that moment, the eyes got a little bit uppity. No way! Without us, the body cannot see where it's going. Uh, We're the most important members of the body. Well, the mouth, of course, would not be outdone. I think the gift of mouth is for the preachers. But anyway, <laughs> as a mouth gets into gear, and it says, I speak for the body, therefore I am the most important member of the body. And that way, one member after another began to declare why that member is the most important. Finally, the neck spoke up. And the neck said, You're wrong. I am the most important member. Oh, of course, this infuriated the brain and the heart and the eyes and the mouth and, and the brain said to the neck, you, you don't do anything important. The heart said, if you weren't there, we wouldn't even miss you. All of that attack, of course, caused the neck to get mad and furious and tensed up, its muscles knotted up and it began to exert the most excruciating pain for the whole body. So intense was the pain that the brain could not think, and the eyes got blurry and watered and, and, and could not see, and the heart began to work over time so hard that it was skipping a beat every now and then. So after a week of this, all of the members of the body then the organs of the body got together again, and they all agreed that the neck is the most important part of the body. So, what is the lesson of this fable? You don't have to be the heart, you don't have to be the brain, and you don't have to be the lungs. All you need to be to be important is a pain in the neck. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And some of you who came from other churches say, amen. (laughs) Now, let's look at what the Apostle Paul is saying here chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. He said, to defeat ignorance, you have to have discernment, verses 1 to 3. Secondly, he's saying, discovering and using your spiritual gift is a must, verses 4 to 19. And thirdly, he's saying, for a body to be healthy, for a body to be whole. Every member of the body must stick to this, to their gift, to his or her gift. Now let's look at these very quickly. Please listen to me very carefully. Satan knows the importance of spiritual gifts. He really understands it better than most Christians of how important the use of these spiritual gifts in the church are. He really does. He he comprehends that. So what does he do? In order to weaken the church, he produces counterfeit gifts. He produces look-alike gifts. He produces false gifts. And the Corinthian church, like some churches of today, they were seriously affected by the counterfeit gifts. You see How can you tell the difference between the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the counterfeit gifts? a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Two words. The fruit. The fruit. Say it with me. The fruit. It's the fruit. The way to distinguish between the counterfeit gifts and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether a person is exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit or not. That's the way to do it. Is there love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Because the counterfeit gifts produces division and murmur and a critical spirit and refusal to submit to spiritual authority. The gifts of the Holy Spirit build up the body of Christ, while the counterfeit gift destroys the body of Christ. The gifts of the Holy Spirit produces harmony and unity and speaking the truth and love to one another. The counterfeit gifts exhibit selfishness and self-promotion. In the city of Corinth, where paganism was rampant, and therefore there were soothsayers, there were divinations and mystery religions, and these had all kinds of magical power to prove their claims. And within a very short period of time, when the church was established in the city of Corinth, Satan showed up. Satan showed up. (laughs) And he began to muddy the spiritual water, as he always does, regarding biblical teaching in the church of Corinth. Here's a fact. Listen to me, please. Here's a fact. You, oh, don't forget it, and you must understand it, comprehend it, f- focus on it. Whenever God is doing work, whenever God starts doing work, Satan is always at the heels with counterfeit activities. Some of you might think that Satan and his demons... They spend their time, invest their time and energy uh, with the gangsters and the drug dealers and the prostitutes, and they think that this is really where Satan is. Please, please, please think again. They are not going to waste their time on those who already belong to them. Why would they do this? No. Listen to me. Satan and his demons spend most of their time among Christians. They really do, particularly churches that believe in the Word of God. And he works slowly but surely through non-discerning Christians to undermine their confidence in the Word of God. He works slowly but surely to bring doubt as to the uniqueness and the authority of the Word of God to bring doubt concerning the teaching of the Scripture. From the very beginning, Satan's most famous words were, did God really say? Did God really say? I'm in the midst of writing a book, it will be released in January, exposing all of these false teachings that now in the evangelical churches. And my goodness, as I'm doing the research, I am overwhelmed I'm overwhelmed with the false teaching. And many of these churches began as a Bible-believing churches, trust me. <laughs> and you see, once he brings that doubt, once he brings this doubt, slowly but surely, all of a sudden, the church finds itself, a church, in full retreat from biblical authority. In fact, I believe that Satan invests most of his time engaging influential pastors. I was in D.C. last week speaking to pastors. I'll be again speaking to pastors there next week. And the reason I'm accepting this invitation, I don't know why all the conventions, these pastors meet in May. But anyway, I, I just felt that a, a sense of compulsion, of warning, exalting pastors. Because I believe with all of my heart, Satan is focusing on pastors. Think about it. If he can get one of those influential megachurch pastors to undermine the Scripture through him, he's already impacted tens of thousands of people through one person. That's called multiplication. <laughs> Beyond his wildest imagination, he can accomplish his goal, he can accomplish his purpose by focusing on one why would he get all of his demons busy working and all the followers <laughs> when he can reach one mega church pastor to influence tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of others? The Bible says the Antichrist will be performing miracles. Did you know that? He will be performing miracles. And think about this. Think about this with me. Think about Christians that you know. Who are so easily get swept off their feet uh, by something spectacular. Think about non discerning Christians that you know who would be taken in line, hook, and sinker when they see something spectacular. Hear me right, please. Satan understands how valuable the spiritual gifts are, and that is why, if he can get God's people, confused and undiscerning uh, to to, to get him to end up corrupting the whole church. Fifty percent of pastors in America are afraid to preach biblical truth by their own admission. Nobody—this is their own admission. And that is why Paul said in verse 1, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. How can you combat ignorance? By discernment. I'm going to say some more. The second thing he says, verses 4 to 19, discovering and using your spiritual gift is a must. You're not doing anybody a favor. That is the natural response and gratitude for receiving that gift. Listen carefully. The quarrels, the factionalism, the divisions, uh, the compromising of biblical truth, the immorality, the abuse of Christian liberty. All of these things were happening in Corinth and the Corinthian church because they were not discerning Christians. It is not surprising, therefore, that all of this had led them to be unhappy. They were unhappy with their spiritual gifts. They were discontented with it. They were envious, and they're wanting somebody else's gifts. And they were pouting. Have you ever seen it? You can see a kid pout, and you say, I think it's cute. Have you ever seen a 50-year-old pouting? They pout, looking down at their gifts that God gave them, and sit and say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. All of these things are sign of carnality. Listen to me. And that is why Paul's analogy of the physical body is vitally important. This was not just an off-the-cuff thing. This is something very significant, very important, and analyzing the body, the human body, and and relating it to the body of Christ. Because in Corinth, the person who was an ear wanted to be an eye. (laughs) And the eye wanted to be a hand. And the one who's afoot was placing it deeply into his mouth. (laughs) You see, their selfishness and envy which was manifested in their pouting and protesting that leads into disaster, always, always leads into a disaster. Now, I've seen people of not want to play unless they win. Now, those of my generation would know this. I don't know about what they play now. I know you've got all these electronic things, kids. But uh, my generation, we played marbles. Remember, remember uh, all the guys, all the ladies, remember the marbles? We played marbles. And always the kid who can't win, what does he do? He picks up his marbles and goes home. <laughs> if I can't win, I'm not going to play. See, that's how some believers are behaving in the church of Jesus Christ. And Paul was incredulous about this. Hear me right, please. This kind of attitude is a front to the wisdom of God and the love of God. Why? Because what they are saying is this. I don't like the gift that the Holy Spirit gave me. I don't like where the Holy Spirit has placed me. Unless I become a hand, I will not perform my function in the body. Beloved, this is an affront to God. It has nothing to do with even the structure of the church. It's an affront to God himself. Every time you meet a critical, cantankerous Christian, you can be sure that he or she is not using their spiritual gift. (laughs) Mark my word. Because this is not only an affront to God, but it causes the body of Christ to languish. Which bring me to the third point that he makes. You defeat ignorance by discerning. Use your spiritual gift as a must. And he said any healthy body has to have all the members of the body, all the organs in the body functioning. Now, I think many of you have heard what I have heard through the years. They call it the 80-20 principle. That's 20%. This is the average church in America, not this church. I know that for a fact, but I'm, and I'm not flattering you, but that's just a fact. Um, the 80-20 principle is that 20% of the people do all the serving, do all the ministry, do all the giving, do all, all the sacrificing, where 80% are just receiving. As I said, I thank God this is not the case here. But you can understand when you hear this statement that I heard from a pastor the other day, he said, yeah, I heard about the twenty eighty pr- principle, but I'm telling you, I have 100% of my congregation active. 50% of them active with me, 50% are active against me. <laughs> Listen, church, any church, any church that does not have all the members using their spiritual gifts like it's in the human body, uh, if you, the eye is there, but but it's not functioning, you only function with one eye, or, or the ears, both of them are there, but one is not functioning, one is, or the foot, one is functioning and the other one is not, or the hands, one is functioning, one is not, uh, or as in the no, if you get a blocked nose, <laughs> see these organs, may be there, they may not be missing, but they're not functioning. Just think about this in terms of the human body. You see, the philosophy that says, I am sufficient and I need nobody else, that is Satan's philosophy. Can I get an amen? amen. And that is why we embarked on the 2020 vision. We spent hours with the team, the pastoral team. This is not just my vision. It really, my mind got modified because some the pastors were coming up with much better ideas and we discussed it together and, and, and came to, with the 2020 vision that we want 100%. Of the members active and supportive, working their sp- uh, discovering and using their spiritual gifts. And that only can happen in a community. You know, in my book, The Leadership Style of Jesus, which has been an, going on now for f- almost 40 years, f- 36, 37 years, you know, the whole book is about Jesus, not about, I'm, I, and I'm, I'm trying to learn the lessons. I, wish I could say to you that I've learned most of them. I haven't, but I've learned from Jesus. And I sat down and looked at His style of leadership, and I try to emulate to my shame, not perfectly. But there are some chapters that are much dearer to me than other chapters as I wrote, and as I learned from the Word of God. One of the chapters that is so dear to my heart is a chapter that entitled, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. And my beloved friends, let me tell you, as God my witness, next to the grace of God, there were some people in my life to whom I owe everything in my life. That I would not be here without these giants in my life. Think about even this morning worship. When you came in today, for us to have a, a fresh encounter with the living God as the body of Christ, think about Those who have been working hard during the week, those who work behind the scenes, those who work on the front, behind the scenes, some people you cannot see, without the faithfulness of those who work and pray and give, (laughs) this time of encounter with the living God would not be possible, would not be what it is. None of us can fulfill our own ministry without a mutual dependence on each other. But there's more. There's more, the Word of God saying to us that some of the hidden members, like your heart and your liver and your lungs, (laughs) they're hidden from view, nobody can see them, but they are the most vital organs of your body. The people that you do not see up front, listen to me, the people that you do not see up front are the most vital members of the body of Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. There are times in my life, and I look, I, I have no, nothing to hide, but there are times in my life when I'm discouraged. There are times in my life when I am really doing some real spiritual warfare, And then I get on the road, and I see these tens and hundreds of people, individuals, and pastors will come to me and say, you know, because you have blessed me every day, i pray for you. And the Holy Spirit says, remember this. You've been prayed for. My goodness, I can't tell you what that does. It's a transformation that takes place in my life. Just knowing that somebody's praying for you. Listen to me. If you are a prayer warrior... And you might never see until you get to heaven what God has used you to do as you exercise your gift of intercession and prayer, how many miracles, how many blessings, how many empowerments and helps that has taken place simply because you have exercised your quiet gift just like the heart is pumping blood, and you can't see it. You might never be visible but you're a vital part of the body of Christ like a liver or the lungs to the human body. There are some faithful, quiet, sacrificial givers whom nobody will ever hear about, including me, but without whom this global ministry would not be taking place. They may not be visible all, but I believe with all my heart and I have Jesus' word to affirm this. They're going to, in heaven, they're going to see thousands of people are going to come to them, and they're going to thank them. And they said, because of your sacrificial giving, because of what you have done, I am now in heaven. Can I get an amen? I'm convinced That without these quiet, behind-the-scenes ministries, the body could not function, and the body could not bear fruit. The body couldn't even exist, possibly. Without you exercising your spiritual gifts, we were, as a culture, and we bemoan what happened to us. But thank God there are 7,000 knees that have not bowed down to Baal, despite of the disastrous things we see in the culture at large. I I can't imagine without the faithful people who are praying and giving and sacrificing and, and exercising their gift, where would it be as a culture? We've been in a far worse situation than we are now. You've heard me say this, and I'm going to keep saying it until I experience it personally when I go home to glory. Some of us who are visible, not visible just in the local church, but even have other visibilities, with all my heart I believe that, that those of us who are visible and have visible gifts are going to be way, way, way in the back in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there will be nameless, faceless people sitting right next to our Lord Jesus. Beloved, listen to me. It is faithfulness, not visibility, that the Lord is looking for. Let me repeat this. It is faithfulness, not visibility, that the Lord is going to reward. Can you say that with me? It is faithfulness, not visibility, that the Lord is going to reward. Let me share with you some facts that I've read many years ago. And I'm fond of telling because they make a point. As I say this as I conclude. I am told that in the United States, there are 768 ships that comprise what referred to n- normally as the mothball navy. Now, these vessels apparently anchored in various harbors around the country but, and they receive regular maintenance. Uh, the externals of these ships are painted and repainted regularly. The hulls are continuously being bombarded by electronic impulses to retard the process of rust and corrosion. There are giant humidifiers that constantly running to keep the moisture content of the air there in in, in, in those inner compartments to a proper level. Now, mind you, while these ships can be ready for combat in a short period of time, but at the present time, they're just sitting there doing absolutely nothing. I remember the first time when I read this, I was absolutely mesmerized of how many of God's people could be described as a mothball Christians. I pray to God not one person at the sound of my voice comes under this category. They're being held together through the ministry of concerned believers and friends. Uh, they Uh, do not attend church, and when they don't, somebody will check on them. Uh, When they're discouraged, they need somebody to pray for them. They'll pray for them and minister to them. But they themselves never use their spiritual gifts, never minister. Like the Mothball Navy, they are snugly harbor in the church, receiving spiritual help, but never ministering serving, or doing. Beloved, if this describes you, listen to me. I implore you, I implore you before God that you make a decision to change today. Today. And I'm going to do what I did last week. If the Holy Spirit spoke to you, look, you know, if it's my own words, they'll only give you a headache. But if the words of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit took His Word and brought it to you and convicted you, I want you to reach out to the card in front of you and the pew in front of you, fill it out, and then leave it in your seat so the ushers will come and pick it up afterward. But just fill it out and say, yes, I want to be involved. I want to exercise my spiritual gift. I am sorry that I have left it too long. You don't have to say any of this. Just fill it out. You're saying that to yourself, between you and God. And as you come to the Lord's table, as you prepare your heart to come to the Lord's table, why don't you make that to be a turning point in your life? Why don't you… Your you purpose in your heart. The Bible said Daniel purposed in his heart. And you can purpose in your heart, I will use my gift, if I don't know, if you don't know your gift, will help you find discover it. And let that be your commitment as you walk down these aisles to participate at the Lord's table. Can I get an amen? amen. Father God, I thank you for the faithfulness of those who give so much of themselves in this place. And Lord, there are too many to number. There are too many. There are a li- much larger percentage than you do in the average church, and I'm so thankful for this. I thank you for the faithfulness of this body. But Lord, if there were 10 or 20, I don't know, one, or yet, to discover and use their gift and be fulfilled in what you have sought for them to see and, be ex- and exercise. This will be the day as they walk down these aisles. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, as they dip the bread into the wine and as they participate in this incredible memorial service of you, Jesus, let the bread and the wine revive their spirit to the service of you. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you stand up and join us in a song?